Welcome to the Amanda Wagner podcast. In part one of this two-part episode, we share the four quarters over 10 dimes approach to friendship. We give you a tool to assess the friendships in your life and explain how we see our friendships as flexible and evolving. And we explain how we characterize our friendships with our innermost confidants to our social connections and our outer network. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer a question about dealing with professional envy and personal impatience when you know it's not the right time to grow your business. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. I am one of those people that doesn't have friends from high school or elementary school, and I can count on one hand the number of people that I still connect with from university beyond a a LinkedIn connection or seeing them on Instagram, talking about people I really talk to and engage with in my everyday life. Most of my current friends are from places that I've worked or people I met through friends of friends. And even then, there's no more than a handful of these people for me. And at the time of this recording, I have been called a bad friend, not once, but twice in the last two weeks. I am not here to call out these people. I'm going to share a little bit of context. I will not share their identities. Uh, To be totally transparent, I haven't even shared the full stories or identities with Liz. I don't think it's essential for this conversation. And the reason that I'm doing it here is because I want to reflect on my attitude to friendships, talk about how our approaches to friendship might be different, and share some of my closest friends' views on meaningful relationships in adulthood. This is a two-part episode because in part one, Liz and I are really going to deep dive into friendship, talking about our inner circles, giving some context about being called a bad friend. And in part two, I've invited a few guests. This is the first time we are doing this. I've invited a few handpicked people to give me some of their perspectives on friendship. And this will be coming from a wide variety of people in different places around the world, in different scenarios. And I want to hear their perspective so it's not just me. For those of you who are insatiably curious, I will, of course, give you some context for me being called a bad friend. I want you to know that it's not because I left dog poop on somebody's door or I did something terrible to their reputation, but I want you to know where this is coming from, how I responded, and how two weeks later, I'm still responding to it and thinking about it. Before we get deep into that, Liz, can you give us some context on your feelings of friendship as a 30-something woman? This was a, a really interesting thing for me to think about because it's not something I think about. So thanks for that prompt, AW. Um, When it comes to friendship uh, in my 30s, I just want real friendship. I don't have energy for fakery. I just want the real thing. I want a solid group of people who 
I know, who I can trust, who I can cry to, but also celebrate with, and who, and maybe most importantly, I don't have to feel guilty about when I prioritize myself or I prioritize my own needs or whatever's going on in my own life. I need people who support me, but are okay with me doing my own thing. Yeah, that, that's what I need. I'm, I'm a, no BS, <laughs> no BS for friendships for me. I'm glad it made you think about it because you're right. I think that we just kind of go through life assuming that we have friends, this is normal. And we don't always give the big thought to it. But my big thinking came because I was like in an uncomfortable position. I started to question, am I a bad friend? Am I unethical in one case? Did I do something wrong? And so in providing this context, I think what matters most, we said we we're going to talk about the four quarters over 10 dimes. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. My friend Carrie brought this up to me, and it is a, a phrase that I will hold very closely to me. I would rather have four friends that I can have incredible depth with and four friends that maybe I see them once every three months, but I still have that deep, meaningful connection with. I would rather have four of those people than 10 people who I have a half-ass friendship with. That is my perspective. That is not everybody's. And I think that by talking about it more, we have an opportunity to normalize what different friendships can look like, how they evolve, how they change, how they're seasonal. So again, I'm going to give, give you a little bit of context, but please know that I am not going to share the identity. I am not going to call these people out. That is not what I am doing. It is about my experience, not theirs. So with one person, I reached out through a series of texts and Instagram messages, checking in, each with a caveat of not having to respond because we are still in a pandemic and you cannot predict how everybody is doing at any given time. And after a few of these, I got a response back. And after some surface level, hey, how's it going conversation, I realized that this person was upset with me. They told me exactly why. And in this case, it was that I wasn't transparent and I didn't share something that mattered a lot to her. She was asking for me to be upfront and transparent. And in that situation, I wasn't. In the second context received just a few days later, which kicked me when I was down, but it happens. I received a message from somebody that our friendship was feeling one-sided and it was one-sided in that she was doing all the work. I worked with this person professionally. We had the occasional social visit over drinks on a patio or within a group, and I was no longer reaching out. And this person, I have to admire their, their bravery and assertiveness. They came to me and said, this is the story I'm telling myself. Is this true? You don't like me. You're not into me. You've ghosted me. Or is there something else at play? Once is a fluke or a mistake, but twice becomes a coincidence or a pattern. What matters most in this situation and what matters so much more than the context is how I reacted. And I'll be honest, I did what I always do. I apologized. I assumed I was wrong and I committed to doing more and being a better friend and being more transparent and reaching out. And... I went classic Amanda Wagner. I joked about it. 
I texted Liz sort of out of the blue and I said, well, I should tell you right now before we go any further, I'm a bad friend. So you might want to cut your losses right now. I didn't share any context with Liz. It wasn't necessary. But when I told her I've been called a bad friend twice in the last two weeks, Liz, can you just share with us what you, how you responded? Uh, it was via text. So in caps lock, I replied with, you're a great friend. Do I have to cut a bitch? <laughs> no, you do not have to cut a bitch. And yet I know that Liz is one of my quarters. So I know that she has my back. So to Liz, I'm not a bad friend, but in these other contexts, that was how it was perceived. I had to sit back and think about it. And I really dug into why wasn't I reaching out in the first place? Why wasn't I completely transparent? And beyond pandemic, are there any other reasons that I might be resisting this relationship? I asked myself a few questions and I want to pose them to you as well. If you are facing any sort of challenging friendships or relationships, question number one, is this a relationship that I am truly missing? Am I feeling like there's a gap? Question two, are my social and emotional needs still being met? If so, then maybe you have what you need. And if not, maybe you need to look for how to have your needs met some other way or from another source. And that third question for me is, am I spending time in this relationship because of guilt, obligation, fear, or just because it's always been that way. In the last few weeks, a large portion of my conversations with friends have been about our friendships and the friendships we are in. What makes a meaningful friendship? How do they change and evolve with time and circumstances? We've talked about being a good friend, a bad friend, being called out, wanting more, and specifically about the friendship between this person I was talking to and myself. It's been an absolutely fascinating couple of weeks to sit down with somebody I consider a close friend and say, let's talk openly about our friendship. On part two of this episode, I've asked some of my quarters to share their big takeaways and thoughts from our conversation, because after all, my quarters have really good ideas and big things to share. That's why they are my quarters. So stay tuned for part two of this episode in two weeks, where we will dig into more. First, I want to hear a little bit from Liz. These three questions, is this a relationship I'm missing? Are my social and emotional needs being met? Am I spending time in this relationship out of guilt, obligation, fear, or just because it's always been that way? Are there any other ideas or questions that come up for you that make you think, hmm, should I reassess this friendship? necessarily think that I have any questions to add, but I think that these are difficult questions to ask yourself. And so if, if you're listening to this episode and you heard AW go through that list, I think the most important thing is to be honest with yourself in the answers. I think one of the things that may kind of get people is the third question with, am I spending time in this relationship out of guilt, fear, et cetera. But the obligation one feels really big to me. I've, I've kind of been a person, uh, I find myself shooting all over the place. Like I've known this person for this long and we've, and you know, we talk blank amount. So they should be 
this close of a friend to me. So I think I just urge people, if you're thinking about relationships that you have, just be honest in the answers. It might be kind of tricky to do and challenging, um, but that, that would be the one piece of advice that, that I would like to share. And you're right. It is incredibly hard to do. When I had to ask myself these questions, I, I'm a people pleaser to the core. That's why I went with my first reaction of apologizing and being like, oh shit, I did something wrong. I am clearly the villain in this situation. And it took me a little while to step back and get to the, the root of it, which is that friendships change. Our social needs are met in different ways. And sometimes that comes with an explicit conversation and sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, there weren't explicit conversations. And that's actually where some of the, um, what's the word? I want to say some of the crunchy feelings came out. It got crunchy because there wasn't an explicit conversation. And I imagine not a lot of people have these talks. I'll be honest, one of the, the most illuminating moments for me when it came to talking about friendship and, and family relationships as well was when we were planning a wedding and coming up with an invite list. We had specific criteria for inviting people, including our family. Have you been to our home? Have we talked in the last six months? Do you know what Robin and I both do for work? Because I even have some, some aunts and uncles that still think I'm a teacher. I haven't been a teacher for nearly 10 years. So there's definitely some, some barriers that we needed to put in and go, are we inviting this person out of obligation because we should, or because we're supposed to, or because we risk your third cousin being mad at me? Or is this actually a group of people that we want to spend time with? As much as we share pieces of our lives on social media, even on the podcast, when it comes to our friendships, we always get to decide how much we share, how often we connect and what we're looking for from them. And I made a napkin drawing, turned it into a, a PDF drawing to help illustrate these different types of relationships, which is admittedly completely useless on the podcast but I will make it available as a download at theamandawagner.com by the time that this airs. So you can see it. And I will also post the picture of it on Instagram. I look at this with three circles and the innermost circle, this space holds my four quarters. These are the people that I can call if I'm having a bad day or not talk to for three months and there's no hard feelings. This is the type of person that I can say, look, I'll either get back to your text immediately or in seven weeks, call me if it's urgent. These are the people that I have phone calls with on the phone, <laughs> which as you know, is probably not that common for a lot of people. Texting is way too easy. In these friendships, I also have a, you can cancel on short notice and nobody's feelings will be hurt. If you don't text me back for three weeks, I'm empathetic and I'm not going to come knocking on your door saying that you're a bad friend. In my inner circle, there is the ultimate level of respect, care, and an understanding for what is happening in our lives. The next circle, the middle one, is a little bit further out. And I call this circle the arm's length. These are the friendships that are important to me. But they're not necessarily the first people I call when I need support. I hold some things a little closer to my chest. Doesn't mean I don't respect them. Doesn't mean I don't care about them. 
It might be people that I don't see as often, that I don't know as well. But when we do see each other, I look forward to it and we have great conversations. This person might not know the ins and outs of my life, and I might not want to share the ins and outs of my life with them, but we have a mutual respect and care and affection for each other when we do connect. The outermost ring are the acquaintances. As you move further out in the circle, I have found that there are more and more people. My inner circle, I've got about four or five people in there. My arm's length, it's probably eight to 10. My acquaintances are plentiful. There are many acquaintances. And I think this is how it's supposed to work. I really do. I see Liz nodding along here. What, as we talk through these circles, what connects with you? The idea that there's tons of acquaintances is, is a huge thing for me. I, I think that I probably have a very similar sort of breakdown on my, on my three circles as you do. And yeah, the, the, the acquaintances it's, it's bumping in that circle. There's not a lot of room to move in there. Uh, but I think you're right. I think that that's normal. And I think as you consider those three questions that you mentioned earlier, that to help you refine down who belongs in each circle, that, that makes the most sense to me as it becomes more populated as you make your way outside the circles. Yeah, I think that this is a really great exercise. And again, one of those ones that you have to be honest with yourself about asking yourself who goes in what circles is going to be tough and your um, criteria for each circle might be a little bit different than what ours is. And mine might be slightly different than what yours is, Amanda. There is no specific formula. The most important thing, again, is you have to listen to yourself to figure out what's going to work for you. And being honest with yourself is so challenging in this exercise. It's very tempting to add more people to the arm's length or to the inner circle out of obligation, out of guilt, out of, well, we've known each other forever. Or like, they were at my wedding, therefore years later, they should still be in my inner circle. And that's not necessarily how it goes. In my experience, being honest with yourself is one of the hardest parts. And what I would say the second hardest part and where I think the Amanda, you're a bad friend is coming from is that when somebody sees you as part of their inner circle or arm's length and you see them at a different level. Alternatively, I see somebody as part of my inner circle and they're like, no, no, your arm's length. I don't want to share everything with you. I can think of some of the friendships that I've had where I am the type of person who typically shares everything, especially when I am vetting people to enter said inner circle. I will share everything. And then I notice that some people will pull back and be cagey or not share details. And it can kind of illuminate oh, I think you're part of the inner circle, but for you, I'm part of your arm's length. I'm an acquaintance to you. I think that's where friendship challenges happen, where there's a mixed level of expectations. We're at different places with each other. I never thought I would be the type of person who says, well, I'm married now, so my life is different. But there are certain things that are different because I'm in a long-term committed relationship it's different than somebody who is 
dating or not attached or looking for somebody. Our interests are different. Our time is spent differently. And that's okay. I am not saying I'm only friends with married people. That's absolutely foolish and not the case. What I am saying is that we just might have a little bit less in common at this point and it can change. So my brain is working on how different relationships move between the circles. I have very few relationships that go from acquaintance to inner circle, but I've definitely had some inner circle relationships that once something is not as much a part of my life. For instance, I had really close friends in grad school and then leaving grad school, it was more arm's length. Our lives changed and we weren't seeing each other as often. The pandemic is another factor. People having babies is another factor. When many of my friends became moms, I knew that our relationship would shift. And for those people in my inner circle, I knew them and their lives well enough that I knew it was going to change, but it didn't necessarily change how much we shared. Maybe it changed the frequency. Maybe it changed how. Maybe the conversation that we used to have over a beer, we now have in the car on the way to pick up a car seat, but we still have them. At different stages in our lives, we're going to see these fluctuations. And for me, the bottom line is that we all need to find ways to get our needs met. We need to find our inner circles and we need to be okay if it changes. I am reading the book, We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers, highly recommend it, not on commission. I'm not one of those fancy people. Rachel talks about a friend of hers who does a friendship audit once a year where she sits down with a piece of paper and looks at who are my friends going into the next year and will actively cut people out of her life. I'm not that brave, at least not right now. But what I can tell you is that I have had friendships where I will say, I'll connect with you in a couple weeks. Let's touch base. And then a couple weeks goes by and I go, am I doing this out of obligation or am I doing it because I actually want to check in with you? So asking myself those deep, honest questions is, is hard and challenging, but in my experience, really worth it. My four quarters are not the same four quarters than they were 10 years ago. Two of my quarters don't even live in my city. And I think this is good news. I also think it's okay to be acquaintances. I don't think this means being shafted. I don't think it means that there's less value. I think it means we change. And that's okay. The challenge is that one person might change on a different scale, frequency level than the other person. It doesn't mean I, I care less about them. It just means it's not a fit right now. You're good. I'm good. It's just not a good fit. Liz, any final thoughts before I'm going to ask our audience something? And I might be off base here. I, I wonder if some of our listeners are maybe thinking about the idea of taking personal relationships and putting them on a worksheet or thinking about the, the friendship audit, Rachel Rogers friendship audit as almost seeming cold. Yes, and I yes. want, I want to clarify that this is not a cold thing. It's about reclaiming what's important to you, establishing boundaries, getting rid of that fear, that, that obligation, that guilt, 
making, you know, we've all made plans that we really don't want to fulfill because we don't actually want to hang out with that person. I just, I want to clarify if people are kind of feeling weird that they're going to write names into circles or think about that sort of audit kind of exercise that that's not at all what this is. It's, it's about making your life and your time work better for you. Uh, and it, like you mentioned, it will fluctuate and it will change year to year or even month to month. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that if anyone has any weird feelings about this exercise. I'm so glad you mentioned this because you're absolutely right. It does feel cold to sit down and write the name of a friend. I'm like, I was at their wedding. Why are they an acquaintance? Did I do something wrong? Why didn't I foster this relationship? And then in the words of my wonderful therapist, when I neutralize the narrative and look at the facts, it's not, it, it really isn't personal. It's, it's the circumstances of our lives. And if it is personal, maybe that's okay. So if, if you are not comfortable writing your friend's names on a piece of paper, that's okay. You can also write it and burn that piece of paper. Nobody ever has to see it, but I do really think it's valuable. And I came up with this exercise, like I said, because I have a, a napkin with some scribbles on it of what these circles could look like and whose names are in it. And I found it really helpful to go through it with somebody else. I went through it with my partner because he is very quick to put everybody in his inner circle. And that's how we had to kind of develop our own criteria of like, you got 15 people in your inner circle. Well, this person here, you actually haven't talked to in a year, but Robin was able to say, but I know that they're there for me no matter what. I'm like, okay, I get it. So that's a criteria of the inner circle, this no matter what approach. So finding your own rules and boundaries, it is all about reclaiming your energy, your time, what brings you joy. If you find yourself approaching an engagement with dread, probably a good sign to, to push it out a little bit, to maybe accept, you know, this is arm's length, this is acquaintance, that is okay. What I would love from you, our listener, we always leave you with a prompt, a call to action, if you will. As you're listening to this, once you wrap it up, Tell your inner circle that you love them. Send them a text, an email, a phone call, a voicemail, whatever it is. Sometimes I will text Liz and say, I'm going to call you. Let it go to voicemail. I want to leave you a message. And just tell these people that you love them, you care about them. And then come back and tell us what makes your inner circle great. Whatever you call that inner circle, it, your people, your squad, your party of five, whatever it is, your four quarters, tell us what makes them great. And just as a little reminder or moratorium for the love of God, let's drop this bad friend business, especially while we're in a pandemic, you know, added stress, added fear added baggage. Everyone is in a phase of transition. Everyone's dealing with a lot right now in the pandemic, but also let's remember that everyone is always dealing with a lot. So let's drop the bad friend business. If a friendship is changing or a friendship is adjusting, that is fine. That is normal, but I got no time for those labels. So let's drop them. <laughs> Thank you for, for going to bat for me a bit there. Um, I, I try to be empathetic and go, if somebody, if somebody is missing something or needing something, 
they're reaching out to me because I can, they think I can be that person. And maybe I was, but maybe I can't right now. So I, I'm going to second your motion on the moratorium right now, because I don't know if, if I want somebody to, to feel worse than they already do in a pandemic. I think we just all need a little bit of understanding and a little bit of understanding goes a long way. Yeah. We could use some gentleness right now. Yeah. Um, speaking of transitions and things people are going through, we have a really interesting WWAWD today, or what would Amanda Wagner do? This question is from an anonymous listener who says, what do you do when you have all the ideas and desire to move your business forward, but you know that it's not the right time? I still run my business at a hobby-like level, but I take it seriously and still get so much personal value and fulfillment from it. I know there's room to do more, but I know this isn't the right season for that. How would you deal with both the professional envy of seeing others grow and the personal sense of impatience and discouragement? What do you think, A.W.? I have, I'm just taking this deep breath. I have so much compassion for this. Such a great question. It's a great question because I, I feel this and we talk about professional envy all the time, looking at what somebody else is doing. And this is a unique scenario where you're looking at what somebody else is doing and knowing you could do it, but trusting that this isn't the right time for you. I love your use of the word. This isn't the right season for that. So your question is, how would I deal with the professional envy? Part one, I think the professional envy piece can be morphed into a good assessment of this person has it. Do I want it because I want it? Or do I want it because they have it? And I think that that is an opportunity to turn this into a great wish list. I'm picturing a piece of paper on your desk that says, when the time is right, here are the things I'd like to do to grow my business. This person did this and it was really cool. When the time is right, I want to X, Y, Z, whatever those things are. But right now I look at the cost benefit and to me, you're saying I am fulfilled at my hobby level. I am happy with how seriously I take it. So there's nothing wrong with what you're doing simply because you're not growing it to the full capacity that you know exists right now. I think if you started to grow it, knowing it wasn't the right time, there would be a lot of resentment and a lot of grouchy feelings and it's not worth it. So part one, when you're seeing the professional, when you're feeling the professional envy and seeing others grow, to me, that's an opportunity to create a wish list so that when it is the right season for you, you know, you have a better sense of what you want and can start choosing where to start. The second piece is on the personal sense of impatience and discouragement. I am a fan of the victory log. So when I'm discouraged, I go back and I look at the things that I have done, the things that I have accomplished. What are the the goals that once seemed huge and like I couldn't achieve them and I actually did. I could do it. As far as dealing with impatience, I'll let you know when I know. I don't have the answer um, because I have impatient ambition. I want it all. I want it all now. For me, I deal with my impatience by accepting that it will never happen fast enough. 
for what I want. It will never happen fast enough. It will never be big enough. I will never have enough people in the audience. I will never have enough money. By accepting that there's no enough, it kind of takes the, the pressure off a little bit. Knowing that I'm not going to be satisfied with the speed, it's just the reality of it. So I don't have to put any judgment on if that's a good or bad thing. Again, I think this is a, an absolutely brilliant question. I'm so, so glad that whoever submitted this uh, asked it because the fact that you're trusting yourself is something to be cherished and admired. I've admitted that I don't think I have the best gut. So the fact that you do, I think that stands for a lot. And in a, an upcoming episode of the podcast, we are going to talk about believing in yourself and trusting yourself. And it sounds like you trust yourself. So I would encourage you to, to keep doing that and to make that wish list of when the time is right, here's what I do want to do and take the pressure off of having to do it right now, having to hold it in your brain or resenting the people who are in a season to grow their businesses. You're just not there. And that is by choice, not by default. And it sounds like you know what you're doing. So continue to trust yourself. Great question. Great answer as always, AW. Thank you so much for submitting your question to us, anonymous person. Please keep sending them our way. You can submit them via Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, or you can visit theamandawagner.com and submit via the contact form. AW also has a newsletter that comes out at the end of every month. You can always reply to that newsletter with any burning questions as well. To wrap up our first part of our episodes on perspectives on adult friendships, we want you to tell us what makes your inner circle, your squad, your whatever you call it, your quarters. Tell us why you hold them so close and go tell them that you love them. I think we could all use a, a text, an email, a something that says, thanks for having my back. I really appreciate it. And finally, if you are ready to get off the sidelines and claim your spotlight, if you are finding your four quarters, your people who have your back, you need these people if you want to claim your spotlight. If this is of interest to you, if you know you've got a big idea and need somebody to help you make it happen, connect with me at theamandawagner.com. And if you're curious about how to make your social media presence stronger, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or lizpittman.com. I cannot wait for part two of this episode. You are going to hear little snippets from some of my best, some of my quarters, uh, including people that you've undoubtedly heard about. Yes, we're going to talk to Liz, but we're also going to talk to Danielle from New Zealand. We are going to talk to some of my mom friends, some of my friends in school. We're going to get a couple different perspectives. And my hope is that by hearing this, you can feel like somebody gets you and that it's okay if friendships aren't all puppies and rainbows all the time. This takes work. It doesn't mean you have to be cold, but it means you have to, again, keep tapping into what you want, what lights you up, and the people who matter most to you. You will hear that episode part two in two weeks. Until then, we will see you on the internet. I love you. I love you. My quarter. 
Oh, isn't that cute? It's I feel when I did my inner circle, I felt like I had five quarters and I was like, does this ruin my analogy? So we were talking about this last night because I told him what we were talking about today. And, and so I mentioned who you'll be talking to for part two. And so I started listing people and he was like, that's like a buck 25. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he brought that up. A hundred, I a hundred percent did that math. 